Section 29 of The World as Will and Idea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. The World as Will and Idea, Volume 1, by Arthur Schopenhauer. Translated by R. B. Haldane and J. Kemp. Fourth Book, The World as Will. Second Aspect. The Assertion and Denial of the Will to Live, When Self-Consciousness Has Been Attained. Tempore quo cognitio simul advenit, amore medio supersurixit, opnacat. Studio Anquetil du Peron. Volume 2, page 216. Section 53. The last part of our work presents itself as the most serious, for it relates to the action of men, the matter which concerns every one directly and can be foreign or indifferent to none. It is indeed so characteristic of the nature of man to relate everything else to action, that in every systematic investigation he will always treat the part that has to do with action as the result or outcome of the whole work so far at least as it interests him and will therefore give his most serious attention to this part even if to no other in this respect the following part of our work would in ordinary language be called practical philosophy in opposition to the theoretical which has occupied us hitherto but in my opinion all philosophy is theoretical because it is essential to it that it should retain a purely contemplative attitude and should investigate not prescribe to become on the contrary practical to guide conduct to transform character are old claims which with fuller insight it ought finally to give up for here where the worth or worthlessness of an existence where salvation or damnation are in question the dead conceptions of philosophy do not decide the matter but the inmost nature of man himself the demon that guides him, and that has not chosen him, but been chosen by him, as Plato would say, his intelligible character, as Kant expresses himself. Virtue cannot be taught any more than genius, indeed, for it the concept is just as unfruitful as it is in art, and in both cases can only be used as an instrument. It would therefore be just as absurd to expect that our moral systems and ethics will produce virtuous noble and holy men as that our aesthetics will produce poets painters and musicians philosophy can never do more than interpret and explain what is given it can only bring to distinct abstract knowledge of the reason the nature of the world which in the concrete that is as feeling expresses itself comprehensibly to every one this however it does in every possible reference and from every point of view now as this attempt has been made from other points of view in the three preceding books with the generality that is proper to philosophy in this book the action of men will be considered in the same way and this side of the world might indeed be considered the most important of all not only subjectively as i remarked above but also objectively in considering it i shall faithfully adhere to the method i have hitherto followed and shall support myself by presupposing all that has already been advanced there is indeed just one thought which forms the content of this whole work 
i have endeavored to work it out in all other spheres and i shall now do so with regard to human action i shall then have done all that is in my power to communicate it as fully as possible the given point of view and the method of treatment announced are themselves sufficient to indicate that in this ethical book no precepts no doctrine of duty must be looked for still less will a general moral principle be given an universal receipt as it were for the production of all the virtues neither shall we talk of an absolute ought for this contains a contradiction as is explained in the appendix nor yet of a law of freedom which is in the same position in general we shall not speak at all of ought for this is how one speaks to children and to nations still in their childhood but not to those who have appropriated all the culture of a full-grown age it is a palpable contradiction to call the will free and yet to prescribe laws for it according to which it ought to will ought to will wooden iron but it follows from the point of view of our system that the will is not only free but almighty from it proceeds not only its action but also its world and as the will is so does its action and its world become both are the self-knowledge of the will and nothing more the will determines itself and at the same time both its action and its world for besides it there is nothing and these are the will itself only thus is the will truly autonomous and from every other point of view it is heteronomous our philosophical endeavors can only extend to exhibiting and explaining the action of men in its inner nature and content the various and even opposite maxims whose living expression it is this we shall do in connection with the preceding portion of our work and in precisely the same way as we have hitherto explained the other phenomena of the world and have sought to bring their inmost nature to distinct abstract knowledge our philosophy will maintain the same eminency in the case of action as in all that we have hitherto considered notwithstanding kant's great doctrine it will not attempt to use the forms of the phenomenon the universal expression of which is the principle of sufficient reason as a leaping pole to jump over the phenomenon itself which alone gives meaning to these forms and land in the boundless sphere of empty fictions but this actual world of experience in which we are and which is in us remains both the material and the limits of our consideration a world which is so rich in content that even the most searching investigation of which the human mind is capable could not exhaust it since then the real world of experience will never fail to afford material and reality to our ethical investigations any more than to those we have already conducted nothing will be less needful than to take refuge in negative conceptions void of content and then somehow or other make even ourselves believe that we are saying something when we speak with lifted eyebrows of absolutes infinites supersensibles and whatever other mere negations of this sort there may be instead of which it would be shorter to say at once cloud cuckoo town nephalococcija we shall not require to serve up covered empty dishes of this kind finally we shall not in this book any more than in those which have preceded it narrate histories and give them out as philosophy 
for we are of opinion that whoever supposes that the inner nature of the world can in any way however plausibly disguised be historically comprehended it is infinitely far from a philosophical knowledge of the world yet this is what is supposed whenever a becoming or a having become or an about to become enters into a theory of the nature of the world whenever an earlier or a later has the least place in it and in this way a beginning and an end of the world and the path it pursues between them is either openly or disguisedly both sought for and found and the individual who philosophizes even recognizes his own position on that path such historical philosophizing in most cases produces a cosmogony which admits of many varieties or else a system of emanations a doctrine of successive disengagements from one being or finally driven in despair from fruitless efforts upon these paths to the last path of all it takes refuge in the converse doctrine of a constant becoming springing up arising coming to light out of darkness out of the hidden ground source or groundlessness or whatever other nonsense of this sort there may be which is most shortly disposed of with the remark that at the present moment a whole eternity that is an endless time has already passed so that everything that can or ought to become must have already done so for all such historical philosophy whatever airs it may give itself regards time just as if kant had never lived as a quality of the thing in itself and thus stops at that which kant calls the phenomenon in opposition to the thing in itself which plato calls the becoming and never being in opposition to the being and never becoming and which finally is called in the indian philosophy the web of maya it is just the knowledge which belongs to the principle of sufficient reason with which no one can penetrate to the inner nature of things but endlessly pursues phenomena moving without end or aim like a squirrel in its wheel till tired out at last he stops at some point or other arbitrarily chosen and now desires to extort respect for it from others also the genuine philosophical consideration of the world that is the consideration that affords us a knowledge of its inner nature and so leads us beyond the phenomenon is precisely that method which does not concern itself with the whence the whither and the why of the world but always and everywhere demands only the what the method which considers things not according to any relation not as becoming and passing away in short not according to one of the four forms of the principle of sufficient reason but on the contrary just that which remains when all that belongs to the form of knowledge proper to that principle has been abstracted the inner nature of the world which always appears unchanged in all the relations but is itself never subject to them and has the ideas of the world as its object or material from such knowledge as this proceeds philosophy like art and also as we shall see in this book that disposition of mind which alone leads to true holiness and to deliverance from the world end of section twenty nine the world as will and idea volume one fourth book the world as will second aspect section fifty three recording by pamela Krantz.